This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Bugle, The Young Turks, The Majority Report, Counterspin, This Week in Blackness, On the Media, and The Rachel Maddow Show. And a note to assure our more sensitive listeners that you will be able to listen to this entire episode in English without even having to press one. You're welcome. U.S. immigration news now, and uh, what? Andy, obviously, America's attitude to immigration has changed a little over the years. From uh, "Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free," to something more like, a, "You know what? We're good on tired, poor, huddled masses for now." <laughs> Do you have anything in a fully qualified Indian doctor? <laughs> now, <laughs> it seems like reform, immigration reform, is finally going to happen here. Now, why is that reform happening? Now, is it out of compassion? No. Is it out of electoral opportunism? Yes. Does that really matter as long as it happens? Well, I suppose not, but it's not really <laughs> the most poetic way for this to finally take place, is it? I'm sure that Hispanic men were not looking down at their sons for the last hundred years saying, one day, mijo, one day our community will not live under the fear of having families torn apart. When, papa? When will this happen? Ah, I shall tell you, Mio. It shall happen when one side is reluctantly forced to come to terms with the fact that changing demographics have painted them into a corner, and it must listen to basic mathematics if it is to survive as a political entity. Let us hope so, Papa. <laughs> yeah, yes, Mio. See. <laughs> Immigrants in America. That's fair enough. You know, Javier Bardem <laughs> yeah. can't do all the films himself, can he? <laughs> I'm on your toes, Bardem! <laughs> uh, immigrants in America, Andy, have spent years appealing to politicians' hearts. It turned out that they didn't really have any, so <laughs> they're appealing to their heads instead. Because the received wisdom uh, is that the White House must achieve immigration reform within the year. Once on Congress enters 2014, everything's going to turn to the midterm elections. Republican Congress members are going to become increasingly disinclined to risk incurring the wrath of extreme parts of their party by voting yes. I mean, it's all so, so depressing. <laughs> and it, it's so depressingly cynical, a way to get something fundamentally positive from happening. And President Obama had a, made a big speech uh, about immigration and uh, he made a, a big... Uh, big play of the difference in immigration is an issue of us and them, saying a lot of folks forget that most of us used to be them. It's really important to remember our history. Uh, unless you're one of the first Americans, uh, a Native American, you came from someplace else. And it's, it's a nice sentiment, Andy. Name-checked Irish, Germans, Scandinavians, Poles, Russians, Italians, people in the West Indies, talked about the huddled masses coming through Ellis Island, and it's a nice sentiment, and he's not wrong, but it's a bit rich coming from someone who has deported more people than any other U.S. president, Andy. <laughs> he's presently, the Obama administration deports an average of 12,000 more people per month than President Bush did. So I'm glad he's coming around, Andy, but let's, let's not claim that this is the king, the king of uh, compassionate immigration here. <laughs> Well, it's good to hear that it's uh, an emotive uh, subject in America uh, as well as here. Traditionally, of course, both sides of the Atlantic, the uh, political snooker ball swung round and round the head of the politicians and then smashed into the electorate's eye sockets. <laughs> and both sides, you get people bleating like three-legged sheep on a snowboard about the <laughs> sort of supposed wave of, of uh, immigrants coming over to steal 
the culture that we'd previously stolen from them, and panic generally spreading through the nation like a hedgehog under a steamroller. So I think it's time that we both grew up as a nation, John. <laughs> A Native American uh, interrupted an anti-illegal immigration protest in Arizona. Let's hear what he had to say. Fight none of you. Get on. Get on. Get on with your bogus arguments. Get on with your bogus arguments. We're the only legal ones here. We have Native Americans here. Yeah. We should have put that sign up when you son of a bitch just came. Get on, bitch. <laughs> now, it is indisputable what he's saying. Now, it makes people uncomfortable, right? And, and we hope that the United States has gotten beyond, obviously, some of the atrocities that were committed. Obviously, we still have a lot to work on. But you can't dispute what he's saying. We did form the country by completely running over the Native Americans. Yeah, this country was founded on illegal immigration. Yeah, and, and quite literally, the people that came over on the Mayflower were undocumented immigrants. Right. They didn't have any papers. Okay, they didn't ask the permission of the Native Americans to land here. And then they certainly didn't ask the permission of the Native Americans when they started butchering them and then moving them onto reservations and then violating those agreements and moving them again and having them die on the road and then having them die on the reservations and having them die on the fields that they used to hunt in and live in, etc. Again, it was a long time ago, hundreds of years ago. You didn't do it, right? You didn't build that. Right. right. But when he says, hey, listen, you guys are undocumented immigrants, so don't go complaining about undocumented immigrants now, when the entire country was literally built on that, well, that's tough to argue with. And Arizona is a fascinating place because keep in mind that they have the strictest um, anti-undocumented immigrant policy in the country. You know, they passed SB 1070, which means that if you look like you're not white, uh, you have to have your papers with you at all times, and they want to check your uh, citizenship status at all times. So, so I, I don't really understand what this protest is about. You guys are already passing the extremely strict anti-immigration laws. Not good enough. To build a wall, build a wall. The flip side is, if the Native Americans had built a wall, and they might have been better off. <laughs> well, look, I don't know if the rest of us would have been better off. And yeah. you know, I always talk in we's. Like, who's we? Like, I mean, I came to the, this country in 1978. Your parents came a little before that, etc. But I consider we, all of us, as Americans. Look, we—it's the melt. We threw all that stuff in there. The Irish that weren't there in the beginning with the Mayflower and the. Killing of the 
you know, the Native Americans, some Irish were there, but not, you know, a lot in the, you know, but we're, we're all in it together now, we've got to figure it out, and, and I know that we have to have a, a country of laws, that's what I talk about all the time, so I'm not saying, hey, lift the borders and any restrictions and have added hoss and have everybody pour into the country. I just don't get mad at the Native American dude, because he's totally right. As long as the grass grows, river flows, as long as the wind blows, that's how long will world eternity. As Republicans prepare for this immigration battle, you know that uh, when they were at their retreat a couple of weeks ago on that former slave plantation, they were advised to stop talking about rape. Stop going out there pretending like they're rape experts. Stop going out there claiming that rape can be legitimate or illegitimate or you can't get pregnant from it or God intended any pregnancy if there's rape, etc., etc. Well, on Monday, House Republicans received a list of immigration messaging, do's and don'ts, according to The Hill, from the Hispanic outreach arm of top GOP super PAC, the Hispanic Leadership Network, urged members to use tonally sensitive rhetoric, regardless of their position on the issue. So back to the stories that we started with today, with Brooks and Krugman, that the Republicans are being urged to repackage themselves as kinder, gentler bigots. The Hispanic Leadership uh, Network says, uh, avoid the negative tone and harsh rhetoric. Let's look into that memo, shall we? Here's some do's and don'ts for Republican lawmakers. When engaging in conversation or doing an interview on immigration reform, do acknowledge that our current immigration system is broken and we need to fix it. Don't begin with, we're against amnesty. <laughs> when talking about a solution for the millions here without documentation who could qualify to get in line first with a temporary visa, then legal residence and finally citizenship, do use the phrase, earn legal sta status. Don't use the phrase, pathway to citizenship. When addressing securing our borders, do use the warning, enforcement of our borders includes more border patrol technology and building a fence where it makes sense. Don't use phrases like, electric fence, build a wall along the entire border, or send them all back. <laughs> when talking about immigrants, do use undocumented immigrant when referring to those here without documentation. Don't use the word illegals or aliens. Don't use the term anchor baby. When addressing amnesty and earn legal status, don't label earn legal status as amnesty and don't characterize all Hispanics as undocumented and all undocumented as Hispanics.
and when broadly addressing reforms, don't use President Reagan's immigration reform as an example applicable today. That legislation was true amnesty. In addition, border security, fixing our visa system, and temporary worker programs were part of the reform that were never implemented. So there you have it, Republicans. You have your talking points. Take their advice. Don't be such D-bags. You are a douchebag. <laughs> I mean, you literally have a series of presentations on a strategy retreat that begins with stop talking about rape as anything other than horrific and how not to just sound objectively racist to Hispanic people. Like, this is a high-level strategy discussion. Yeah, I mean, the entire Rep Republican Party has basically been sent to sensitivity training. Like uh, like you would an, uh, like an, an offensive guy at a workplace. And they're all, like, sitting in the back, popping, like, bubble gum. Like, hey, right. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey. Throwing, <laughs> throwing paper airplanes at the teacher. How would you like to be able to read books and periodicals without the need for tree-killing paper, the actual ability to read, or having to pay a giant corporation for the pleasure? I sure would, but I don't think that exists. Two out of three ain't bad, though, because Audible, an Amazon company, is just such a giant corporation that can make these other wishes a reality. By signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash best, you'll receive a free audiobook of your choice, yours to keep even if you cancel within the 14-day free trial. That's audiblepodcast.com slash best to take something for nothing from a company who obviously didn't write the copy for this advertisement. Roger Ailes also has a brilliant plan. He would like to get Latinos to watch Fox News Channel and vote Republican. Now, of course, he's fair and balanced, and he doesn't really care about the Republican Party. That's not a concern of his, except for when he said... Um, First of all, to appeal to Latinos, he says, the contributions being made by Latinos are extraordinary. And we need to talk about that. First of all, I love that he that just dawned on him. Like, oh, right, Latinos, we need to talk about their accomplishments. Uh, well, if they were so extraordinary, why didn't you notice that earlier? Oh, perhaps because you were busy demonizing them. Oh, all of a sudden, you lose an election because of Latino voters, and you realize, you know, their contributions have been extraordinary. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't, Roger. Thanks for setting me straight on that. All right. Um, now, he says the Republican Party is the right place for Latinos. He says the fact is we have a lot of Republicans have a lot more opportunity for Latinos. And that's what I was getting to earlier. Look at that quote. The fact is we have a lot, I mean Republicans have a lot more opportunity for Latinos. What happened? I thought you weren't necessarily Republican. I thought you were fair and balanced. I thought your uh, news station didn't have a perspective. Oh, go, 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 Look, he's changing the whole strategy of Fox News to help the Republican Party. The Republican Party cannot win without Latinos. How many Latinos does he have in his audience? Not very many. It is, does he think he's going to build his audience by bringing in Latinos? If he does, I, I think he's a very smart guy overall. Well, I'm going to have to knock him down a notch if he thinks he's really going to get a lot of Latino voters, I mean, a Latino audience at Fox News. No, he's doing it to help the Republican Party because that's the whole point of Fox News. So, now, 
uh, he explains why the reach out, though, to the Latinos can work. He said, I love this one. He says, if I'm going to risk my life to run over the fence to get into America, I want to win. I think Fox News will articulate that. <laughs> That's awesome. All of a sudden, Latinos are winners. Before, they were illegals. Now they're winners. Well, look, man, you ran over that fence brilliantly. I was very quick, and you got here. Fox News are winners. You guys are winners. That's it. We got a match. Who's buying this? All right, he continues. Latino audience is essentially traditional audience, and we'll go to Fox News for traditional American values. In other words, well, we think they're religious. I mean, we never bothered to check before, but it turns out that's the case. We're kind of religious. Except for, of course, when Fox is showing all the skin on our sister network. But anyway, uh, that's what we would pretend for to get the folks at home to watch us. So I think we're going to get to them. And by the way, the implicit in that is what Dick Morris was talking about last week, which is, you know, African Americans, they don't have traditional values. He also talked about in this article about, look, if you're just trying to get government handouts, you're not going to do that much better than you were back in your home country anyway. Don't go down that path. Now, Ailes doesn't spell it out. Dick Morris did in the videos we showed you last week where he was like, oh, Latinos are traditional, not like African-Americans. I continue to be amused because Roger Ailes tells us that he's going to change the language. He says, quote, I think the word illegal immigration is a false name. You're talking about two separate issues. One is sovereignty, the media uh, trying to make America feel guilty because we want borders. That, to me, is complete bullshit. So, uh, saying, well, look, I'm not actually going to change my opinion. I'm just going to change the words. Now I'm going to call it sovereignty. And I have a sovereignty, and I don't want you to come into the country. Don't get me wrong. i got no interest in you, right? But I'm going to change the words, and I'm no longer going to call you an illegal uh, immigrant because uh, that apparently doesn't play well with you guys, and we need your votes. Well, that seems so genuine. Uh, and when Sean Hannity, is one of his top hosts, is asked about that, he said, quote, I've used illegals all these years I've been on TV. I don't see it as an offensive term. In other words, I'm going to go ahead and continue doing that. But he won't. Well, Sean Hannity does whatever the hell Roger Ailes tells him to do. Illegals will be phased out of Fox News Channel, that word. They'll give it another word. And by the way, it goes to the strength of Latino voters. I remember when many, many, many years ago, a guy named Roberto Lavato came on the Young Turks and said, it's not, you shouldn't call them illegal immigrants, you should call them undocumented immigrants. And, and at the time, that was like, whoa, that's pretty out there, man. Come on, they're bringing luck. Come on, I don't know. It's a Roberto, you're crazy. Now, Roberto has won, at least on that count, so much that Roger Ailes, who runs Fox News, is saying, did I say illegal? I didn't mean illegal. I mean, undocumented. Fine, you voted 71% for Obama. Fine, undocumented. You win, undocumented. Of course, the question is, will they actually change any of the laws, any of their actual policy? And that's a much more open question. All right, Jesus Godoy, a resident, a Latin American correspondent, uh, okay, uh, has this worked? Uh, are you now considering watching Fox News? You know what? If they do a Fox News in Spanish, a real one, <laughs> this fucking country's in trouble. <laughs> oh, you think so? Oh, are you kidding me? Uh-huh. If they do the same amount of, like, propaganda and everything to the Latinos, like, ugh, you are asking for trouble, so. Ah, interesting. Because interesting. I just feel they could be, like, like Spanish, like, Latin American, like, news. They're conservatives as it is sometimes. 
Right. So if you add the propaganda machine to that, like, oof. Oof. So you're saying they got a shot? I definitely think they do, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting take on it. They already have Fox News Latino. They've had it since 2010. Now, it's no big deal right. as a website, right? Uh, but who knows? I mean, if they do on cable, Fox News to Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Look, propaganda is a powerful, powerful thing. Look at what they do overall with the country. Associated Press announced a change in their style guide. The wire service will no longer refer to illegal immigrants, except in direct quotes. The term illegal, AP's new rules state, refers only to actions and not to people. Though they say it's just the result of an ongoing in-house effort to rid the style book of labels, the change is undoubtedly a victory for activists who have called for years for journalists to stop using the term. Not only because it's dehumanizing, as AP's executive editor Kathleen Carroll points out, it's also bad reporting, a lazy device that obscures meaningful distinctions. Rinku Sen of Colorlines.com, whose Drop the I-Word campaign was critical here, concurs. But she adds that laziness has real-world impact, blocking reasonable discussion of policy issues. For years, Sen wrote, quote, immigration restrictionists have been stopping all discussion cold with, what about illegal don't you understand? Well, we did understand that the word hid severe problems in the policy, that it has been applied selectively to people of color, undocumented green card holding, and citizens alike, and that it fuels hateful action, close quote. Now, if AP's style change reflects awareness of those harmful impacts on people as well as on conversation, it's hard to see what excuse other outlets have for continuing it. The New York Times, for its part, reacted strangely, with public editor Margaret Sullivan telling readers the paper plans to make changes, but, quote, the Times' changes will probably be more incremental, close quote. Once you've acknowledged that something's the right thing to do, it's hard to see why you'd want to do it slowly. But if AP's move shows the times are changing, maybe the times can change too. Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon for the wheel's still in spin and there's no telling who that it's naming Was a loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing From senators, congressmen, please heed the call 
And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a chance because maybe it's magical. Maybe they're gonna say something that I don't, I didn't know. You ever consider that, Doctor? Do you ever consider that Fox News might be enlightening us in ways that we just never really considered? I watch Fox News. I stream Fox News often for that purpose, just to hope that that is true. And they groundbreaking move. The Associated Press, the largest news gathering outlet in the world, will no longer use the term illegal immigrant. That is out. No longer illegal immigrant. They'll now use the phrase undocumented Democrat. That is the new undocumented Democrat. That is 100% right. There's a reason why he's going off air. The AP says yeah. in their stylist handbook. In the style book. Yeah, so when it's time to write up a story about an illegal immigrant, you cannot call them an illegal immigrant because an illegal immigrant is something they do. It doesn't describe them. Yeah, you can't use illegal immigrant or, or illegal to describe a person. Instead, you, have, you could use illegal to describe uh, an action such as they are living in the country illegally. Mm. This Did is, you know you also can't use undocumented? For, yeah. You can't use undocumented because undocumented Let's see. Despite ardent support from some quarters, it is not precise. A person may have plenty of documents, just not the ones required for legal residence. Well, that's the problem. The plot for our, thickens. Oh, that's a problem for our president because he refers to them as undocumented. Right. Well, well I, it's going to be a problem for a lot of people. Come on, when, when you're there's another term too that people use. What's what's the other way? Illegal alien. Illegal alien. alien. Uh, I, I, I don't know. That's that sounds that sounds worse to me. Right. I don't think they use that. I mean, they're trying to phase out illegal alien, but it, but but, but I, to me, it blows me away because that's how you describe somebody who comes here illegally. Right. I don't understand why people are trying to to carve up that, those two words. The reason, Brian, that the Associated Press in their style book says don't use illegal alien, illegal immigrant, illegal anything, is this is just the AP's little way of uh, doing some cheerleading, trying to push. Uh, immigration reform in Congress. Now, what's interesting what? is what? The plan is what now? It's a plan. Liberal AP format. We're doing with the how? Liberal AP format agenda. So the AP style book is trying to trick society. Yeah, well, it's, it's just it's just moving forward. It's not tricking anyone. It's just it's just giving lending support, lending a support to a particular belief system, which is the liberal belief system. I I, I mean I, I I think that there may be a a case here to be made for, you know, the sort of uh, a proto bigot style book that Fox News often subscribes to. What style book are they pulling from? Um. Well, I. I I don't know. I, I I just I don't I just but now but now I, the, there's a plan. There's a there's a liberal plot within the media to to to, to push something as opposed to just acknowledging that ah it's actually is problematic. Like you you you're calling people people aren't illegal. People do illegal things. That's actually just a really reasonable statement. Well, it's not really that deep or somehow that liberal. It's just not being an active dick. I would even argue that the AP's argument against using, or the AP's argument for, for phasing out illegal immigrant wasn't a matter of, of necessarily an ideological thing, but it was just inaccurate. Like it was a grammatically incorrect and an inaccurate statement. And so to, for precision reasons, they changed it. Yeah, sounds like a liberal trying to talk away the liberal agenda, using words on top of words to confuse the American public. Shut up, Aaron. Who may not like the term actually admitted last week that you know what? 
illegal immigrants, that's what they are. Listen. I don't really get caught up in the vocabulary wars. Um, they are immigrants who are here illegally. That's an illegal immigrant. They are immigrants who are here without documents. That's an undocumented immigrant. Listen. Well, see, I think to a certain degree she's she's right. This is a huge issue, and to get caught up in in the vernacular or whether or not you're calling them one thing or another. No, let's just get down to business. And actually, it's kind of a thing when you yeah. the way you refer to people, words actually matter. And when you describe people in a certain way and you kind of take away their humanity, it's a little bit of a thing. It's not really just uh, just uh, something. Yeah, let's throw it away. Like, yeah, it's okay. Someone someone could have done something that that is in fact a, not a part of our laws. They it, it, they they did something that is illegal within the states of America. Fine, but there is a way to handle and discuss things. We are a country of words and expression and and all types of things. Because I know for a fact that words all of a sudden matter when we're talking about patriotism. Yeah, words matter a lot. Yeah. Fox News can't actually go. They can't. They can't actually. These folks can't actually say that. Uh, why? Why are we? Why are we trying to? We don't consider these guys humans. So why do we have to use now, human they, terms now, for them? Now, if they want to really get froggy, and they want, and they and they push back on the concept of undocumented, I could, I could at least see the argument there. It's like, well, because the argument against it is that, um, it's like, well, they might have tons of documents, just not the right ones. It was okay. Well, then, uh, for, um, for this, then they, uh, they are undocumented for this particular situation. Hence, you can be, uh, they, they could be argued, uh, as undocumented, uh, immigrants here. And so you could make that argument, uh, even though you could also then make the counter argument that, well, what if they do have the documents for it, but then they, it expired. So then they're expired, undocumented. Undocumented immigrants, like you just like keep doing that, or do you just say that that, that they these are people just they they don't have the paperwork in order, like in order to forcing people to be uh, to treat other people like humans seems to be a problem. A lot of energy is required. Thinking words. Why don't we just talk? Let's, let, why don't we just act like they're human for a moment? Why don't we just? Act, oh, why? Because if we act like they're human, then all of a sudden we might have a harder time dealing with all this stuff. Oh yes. And depending on what your point of view is, fine. But let's just get something done or work towards some sort of a solution here instead of talking about what we're actually going to call well, it. The actually, do you guys realize that this is not something that was uh, being discussed in Congress at the moment? This was a part of the AP uh, uh, style guide. So you, you, get, you guys are actually making a news story about it specifically because you're mad about it. And now you're saying that this is somehow clouding the, the issue, whereas that it's not like the, the Congress didn't come together to do this. Just a Google Drive document that became an official document somewhere, and it's a thing now because you guys made it a thing. So you have to call them something in the intro. Right. As you talk about immigration you can call, reform, call them whatever you want. But, but, but no, but it, they, they were just saying that Wait, you if have, you call them whatever you want, then why do you guys care? <laughs> Listen, 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 listen. I don't. I think this. I think the idea of calling them illegal immigrants. I mean, I don't understand why we can't just say that. Why can't we just call? But you know what? I mean, whatever. Call them whatever you want. But but I should be able to call them illegal immigrants. But call them what you want. But I want to be able to do this. <laughs> they take out the illegal part. The AP, which provides news uh, as a news service for a lot of companies, is saying when it comes to discussing immigration and illegal immigrants, people here illegally undocumented, and the 10 million who want a pathway to citizenship, you can no longer call well, that. Well, they will say is an immigrant who is here illegally. They just won't say illegal immigrant, right? Well, how much time do we have? Yeah, see, a coalition of linguists. How, how, how often? How, how much time do you need to actually deal with this? Uh, there, there's a thing. How, many, how much? How I, like, much? I, like how they, I like how Fox and Friends has made it a big, big segment to discuss humanizing a group of people. Wait, was she talking about like just was was he talking about the time it takes to actually say the words? I, I, so it, I, it takes too much time. 
to say an immigrant who is illegal instead of illegal immigrant. An immigrant who is here illegally takes too much time. So he's talking about the economy of language. Uh, well, can you? Which term could you fit on easily? More easily fit on Twitter. One is more characters than the other. True. So he's thinking about the how. How can media. we tweet about this effectively? Social media impact of the uh, of the change in uh, 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 grammar style. Somehow, I don't think that a lot of the 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 folks who would subscribe to the 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 ideas and ideology of Fox and Friends. Right. Are going to care much about the appropriate style usage for as identity markers and may resort to. Right, you know, you know, you know, guys, uh, I'm going to give him one more chance and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set everything on fire. Also came together to pressure pressure media companies to drop illegal immigrant, calling it neither neutral nor accurate. That's right. What, what, why do you have to be neutral? Sure. They're here illegally. See, the- actually, you have to be neutral because you're the news! Uh, what Elon was discuss- Elon had uh, discussed here was he's um, mentioning that uh, the news would best be suited as it's uh, serving uh, its original purpose, which is being neutral and delivering the news. I don't understand why, do, why. Why would you expect journalists to be neutral? That doesn't really make sense. Why must we? You're, you're doing. You're doing something I don't like. I should be able to say I don't like it. <laughs> neutrality. <laughs> you don't need no sticking neutrality. That's stupid. That's all right. I'm done here. I gave him a chance. <laughs> I gave him a chance. I was like, you know, maybe they're going to clean this up. Maybe it's going to become better. Maybe it's going to be fixed. And maybe that will all of a sudden see exactly what's happening. And no, it actually, it, it just got worse and worse and worse. Why would you, why would you be, why would you need to be neutral? And they're actually going to make the argument as to why neutrality is a bad thing. thing is the Associated Press feels, and others do on the left as well, feels that when you attach illegal to somebody, it puts a bias against them. So take that out. You know, there's a, a big reform movement in this country toward doing something about immigration reform. So this is a little cheerleading. I, I feel sorry for the Associated Press copywriters. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be scratching their heads. Okay, what do we call that guy? Well, what, what, what? What? I'm done here. All right. I'm, I'm sorry about life. I give up. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna call that the bigot bind when you don't know what to call someone when you can't call them. Or, Those uh, copy editors, what are they gonna do? <laughs> what are they gonna do? You should have let it play let it play out though, because the the follow to that was. Uh, I really um, do. I really want the uh, border jumper. It, it, um, they are here illegally. What? Border jumper. Border jumper. The border bigot. jumper. We yeah. call it the bigot dilemma. Yeah. Border jumper. Border. If I can't call jump. him, if I can't call him a slur, then what am I gonna call him? I'd like, I'd like to think about this conversation that was being, that was, that was had back when, when it decided that we were no longer going to call black people the N-word. Listen, listen. <laughs> I don't understand what the problem is, okay? I have, if, 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 if there's a nigga down the block, and I say, here, there's a nigga, what's the problem? All it's I did was acknowledge, thing. all I did was acknowledge the fact that there was a nigga down the block. <laughs> What was I supposed to say? What was I supposed to say? Hey, there's a white man down the block. No, because he's a nigga. <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. Like, 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 well, you know, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to say right now, guess what? The sky's red. The sky's red right now. I know it's blue. I'm going to say it's red because apparently I can't say that the nigga's down the block, so apparently the sky's red. The sky's red, and that, and that nigga over there ain't a nigga. 
，咋出？咋出这狗子洞了？Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as five dollars a month or even fifty-five dollars a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the Show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. More on the power of words on Tuesday. The Associated Press omitted the phrase "illegal immigrant" from its style book. The AP now directs journalists to use the word "illegal" only to describe the residency status of a person, not the person himself or herself. A semantic nicety, not according to Jose Antonio Vargas, the former Washington Post reporter who now runs the Define American Project, which has been campaigning for this change for months. Last fall, we spoke to him, and he made his case. Actions are illegal, not people. Can you imagine, like, hearing this word "illegal" <laughs> and knowing that it refers to you? What that does to somebody? This week, we spoke with AP editor Tom Kent, who explained that the change is part of a larger decision to try to eliminate labels from the style guide. It's not just about illegal and illegal immigrant. We like to put the focus on action, what people are doing or the condition they find themselves in. The AP used to say the wheelchair-bound attorney. Now we say the attorney who uses a wheelchair. We used to say a schizophrenic. Now we say Smith, who has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. It's the same thing with illegal immigrant. So we say Smith, who is in the country illegally. We're still maintaining the concept of illegality, but we're just using the word in we think a more appropriate place rather than as a label at the ahead of the name. When I talked to Jose Antonio Vargas last fall, he proposed an alternate way to frame the issue, and he said simply to replace the word illegal with undocumented. But that's a no-go as well with the AP. Why? We talked about undocumented, but to us, it's vague. What does it mean?、Uh, a lot of people who find themselves in this situation have plenty of documents. They have birth certificates. They may have passports from their home countries. Depending on the state, they may have a valid U.S. driver's license. The problem isn't that there's no documents in their pockets. The problem is that they do not have a legal right to be in the United States. But what about talking about the entire population of those in the country illegally? Do the same rules apply? Our style is not to use illegal immigrant, singular or plural. It's not just about whether we're talking about one person or a group. So we would talk about people in the country illegally. Now it, it makes writing a little more cumbersome to phrase things the way you now phrase them. If the underlying condition is well understood, why is it more stigmatizing to be called an illegal immigrant than to be called an immigrant who is in the country illegally? Well, this isn't about stigmatization, and it isn't about politics on one side of the issue or the other. It's just an approach that we use to describe people in general, and it's been spreading through our style book. And we've come to the point where we want to apply it to the illegal immigration entry as well. You said that our approach now makes it more difficult to write. We're not sure that's true. We think that it's a little scarier, perhaps, in the anticipation. We've taken some AP stories and headlines and rewritten them. 
pretty successfully. For example, we had in one story a reference to a pathway to citizenship for the millions of illegal immigrants already here. You can change that to a pathway to citizenship for the millions of immigrants living illegally in the United States. We've done the same thing with headlines. Within our 50-character short headline count, instead of saying cheaper college for illegal immigrants in Minnesota, we can write cheaper Minnesota tuition for people illegally in the U.S. It's still 50 characters. What about the term illegal immigration itself? Is that still kosher? Yes, we still use that term. It's still a fact that illegal immigration exists. That term is still available for use anywhere in the world where it applies. Now, it happens that the AP style book doesn't necessarily govern only Associated Press journalists. It's used as the standard for much of American journalism. Do you keep in mind the fact that you're creating standards that will apply across the board? We're happy that people throughout journalism in, in the United States and elsewhere use it as a standard reference. But there's nothing that forces any news organization to use everything in the style book. They're grown up enough to have their own style or their own exceptions. Tom, I know you said this is an utterly apolitical decision, but the Republican Party has explicitly embraced illegal. Politicians are encouraged to use it because they know it has emotional clout. Whether you want to be political or not, this is ultimately a political decision. No? We don't consider it a political decision, and people have asked us, what about the timing of this? You're doing this uh, right at the start of a major immigration debate in Congress. I will admit to you that there is a timing issue here. This is the deadline for the new print edition of the AP Stylebook, and that's the timing that we had in mind. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Tom Kent is Deputy Managing Editor and Standards Editor for the Associated Press. Whatever you do, uh, do it good. Uh, Tell me uh, just how uh, these Hispanic immigrants are, are ruining the country and how they won't assimilate. Apparently, um, there was a study back in uh, 2007. Political scientists Jack Citrin, Amy Lemon, and Michael Murakami, and Catherine Pearson tested the theory, the so-called theory, about uh, Latino assimila assimilation. There is no evidence whatsoever that Mexican and other Latin American immigrants are assimilating more slowly than previous waves of immigrants. Latino immigrants acquire English as quickly as or more quickly than Asian and European immigrants. Although Mexican immigrants lagged behind on language acquisition in 80, the gap was closed by 2000. First-generation Mexican immigrants still lag behind on learning English, but second-generation Americans, including those who live with their first-generation parents, acquire English just as fast as do Asian or European immigrants. 
Hispanics appear to be no more or less religious than whites, they write, nor do they exhibit lower commitment to importance of working hard to get ahead. In other words, there's no difference. Immigrants take time to assimilate. Latino immigrants take uh, more or less the same amount of time as any other immigrants. We are now at a net negative of uh, undocumented immigrants in this country. And it's time to take uh, these people basically out of the black market and let them give them uh, a, a path to citizenship and deal with this. And, and I know I sound like Sean Hannity when I say that. Sean Hannity was very clear. When uh, shortly after the election, we've got to get rid of the immigration issue altogether. It's simple to me to fix it. I think you control the border first, whatever that means. You create a pathway for those people that are here. You don't say you've got to go home. And that's a position I've evolved on, says Sean Hannity. So maybe when Rush Limbaugh says it's just me and Fox, that's what he means. He's lonely. He's lonely. On the morning when I woke up without you For the first time I felt free And I felt lonely and I felt scared And I began to talk to myself almost immediately Not being used to being the only person and I sang, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do without you? Early details are coming out through uh, Senate aides about a deal that's being struck between Democrats and Republicans that could eventually lead to some sort of immigration reform. Um, so it's nice that we have progress, but when you hear the actual details, it might not be as, as good as it, it seems like it would be. So uh, why don't we give you some details about uh, the, the terms of uh, how long it's going to take to work through this new system that's being set up and become a citizen of the United States. So uh, here's the first details, and these are coming, as I said, from Senate aides. Uh, still undecided is how long illegal immigrants would need to wait before they could apply for permanent resident status and eventually become citizens. The delay for a green card probably would be 10 years or longer, the aide said. And then, uh, so that's, that I think is bad enough, but then the, the additional details are even worse. Once granted probationary legal status, immigrants would be allowed to work, but would be barred from receiving federal public benefits, including food stamps, family cash assistance, Medicaid, and unemployment insurance. So just to be clear, going back to the first uh, graphic that we had, they have to wait 10 years before they can get a green card. And then once you have uh, the green card, you have to wait five years become, before becoming a citizen. Yeah, so That's a pretty yeah. long period of time. So to further clarify what John is saying, uh, an, an immigrant would have to be in the United States, work for 10 years, pay taxes for 10 years, then apply for the green card, maybe wait an additional five years. Mm -hmm. And during that time, even though you're paying taxes into the system, 
you don't get, uh, you know, certain social programs. The, you don't get to get uh, food stamps or any other program that would help you if you can't make ends meet. Even yeah. if you are already paying taxes. Exactly. To me, that's the most offensive part of yeah. this. You know, and there was also another part that, that calculated that if uh, immig illegal immigrants follow this, uh, this pr program, that the earliest that they would be able to gain citizenship would be 2030. Yeah. This is people who are here right now if this is passed and comes into effect mm -hmm. in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So so before we talk about you know how how detrimental I think to the lives of these people the system will be, just to give you an idea of how long 15 years are, I, I went back and found out what was going on in the country 15 years ago. Uh, so Titanic came out, which I thought was like <laughs> wow. forever ago. Titanic, gas was a dollar 22. Quite reasonable, uh, and nobody had yet heard about Monica Lewinsky or any of her dalliances. There hadn't been the Monica Lewinsky scandal. There was no YouTube incredible. 15 years ago. That's Let's a good point. Well, even like too. six years ago, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, exactly. That's true. So, there was no internet. Nobody had phones. It's uh, amazing. So as you mentioned, these are just leaked details. We don't know what yeah. the, uh, the you know the final proposal will be, um, but I do think that if this is true and if this is actually what uh, these eight senators are coming up with, it's going to give people. Um, no incentive to come here legally, right? Or to go through this, or to, to go, go through this system, yeah. because we want to give people an incentive to come to the country legally. And if they find out that it's going to take them 15 years to become legal residents here in the United States, why would they want to go through that? Especially when they know that they're going to be working, they're going to pay taxes, they're going to do those things legally, but they don't get any of the government benefits yeah. that citizens get. Yeah. Well, also, there was another article that you had sent that was Salon.com. They had, I thought, a great response to this leak, to this draft leak idea. And they called it uh, a southern plantation economy, the idea that we're going to be setting up a second tier of American workers who have to pay for uh, the, the right to work in the United States but don't get any of those benefits, as you said, none of the yeah. protections. You know, and it also sets up that second class of workers who won't necessarily have the same workplace protections that exactly. American citizens get. And that's a very serious line to cross, in my opinion. Yeah, and so it, it might seem like this is just just punitive, punitive like we, we don't like the illegals, let's make them wait a long time, um, but, it, but it's really, it's about business, and they want, you know, they want these jobs to be low wage, they, they don't want people that are working these jobs to be able to, for instance, uh, quit the job, go on employment for a few months, and then, you know, find another job. If you cannot get unemployment uh, by law, then you're stuck possibly staying in a job with shitty conditions and shitty pay, mm -hmm. um, and they, they really like that, and it's it's, it's unfortunate. And also, I mean, bear in mind, of course, these people will not be able to vote during this entire time. So they right. have no ability to change the system. Um, and it's really unfortunate. It's like you said, it's a second class system. So I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the public's perception of this proposal and how Americans would feel about it. And I'm actually really worried about the fact that the majority of Americans would actually be in favor. Now, of course, this is just speculation. I could be totally wrong about that. But I feel like there's been such a negative perception of illegal immigrants, of immigrants in this country. And, and usually what will happen is, you know, it'll be kind of like a Hunger Games type scenario, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. where all of us are already on the edge. All of us are already underpaid, overworked, very, very frustrated. And we want to, I, look, I don't personally want to see other people suffer, but you get that feeling that 
people are focusing more on those in the working class and middle class and kind of pitting everyone against each other as mm. opposed to fighting against the system that's kind of put us in this situation to, to begin with. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, that has always been sort of the, the, the nature of this kind of, uh, of setup where you, you make people feel like they have to fight against those who are below them on the economic ladder. It distracts them, makes them feel better about their own situation. Right. You know, and I think you're probably right that the public will very will understand not as much about this very complicated bill that is under discussion because, you know, the general public, people just don't have time to read through these bills and understand. They're too busy making ends meet. They're too busy raising children, trying to get their kids through college and their parents through retirement and yeah. illness. You know, they just don't have time to know about this stuff. And we also know that Congress tends not to read these giant bills either, so I doubt mm. that even they will understand what's yeah. in it. And what's even most shocking is we, we, we have some other details, basically, that uh, despite the fact that, that this is largely run by business interests, they want this. We're going to have this system of uh, very low-wage people who have almost no protections. Even with that, they also want to set up increased uh, guest uh, workers programs so they can bring in people in who have even fewer rights. Yeah, uh, yeah of course amazing. they do. I mean, any, anybody who says, any business person who says that there is a labor shortage in the United States, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to high-skilled workers, is lying. Mm -hmm. I swear. I, because the, you know, we know that there are quite a few middle-aged engineers, uh, computer programmers, people who have not been able to get jobs because they're not willing and not able to work for the low pay yeah. that these employers want to offer, which they can get away with with the H-1B visas. know that today we have an immigration system that's out of date and badly broken. A system that's holding us back instead of helping us grow our economy and strengthen our middle class. We've got to bring our legal immigration system into the 21st century because it no longer reflects the realities of our time. For example, if you are a citizen, you shouldn't have to wait years before your family is able to join you in America. You shouldn't have to wait years. You shouldn't have to wait years. You know, complexity is not just a feature of how the world works and how bureaucracies work. Complexity is also used as a tactic in politics. Deliberate obfuscation, uh, making something seem more complicated than it is, can be done to political effect. Por ejemplo, the scare chart, right? A graphical representation of some issue that is made to look deliberately complex in order to scare you about that issue. This scare chart is called the Organizational Chart of the House Democrats Health Plan, otherwise known as Obamacare. This was put together by House Republicans back in the health reform debate days. Look how complicated! Isn't it awful? Let's add more boxes and lines to make it seem even worse and more alienating. When that version apparently was not scary enough, House Republicans later put out a second draft Look at this one, a second Obamacare scare chart with, I don't know, 50% more rationing zones or something. Be afraid. 
Here's another scare chart. Uh, this is America's strategy, supposedly, for winning the war in Afghanistan. Any questions? This chart was not originally created for scare purposes, I don't think, but it was circulated to have that political effect once it was dug up. These are scare charts. And pro-immigration reform groups have used this same scare chart tactic. Look right here. This, is, this shows a map of the current legal path to immigration in this country. This is how you legally become a U.S. citizen if you're not one already. And all of the little red stop signs that you see, those are all of the places in the process that you can get blocked from becoming a U.S. citizen through our legal immigration process. So employer not willing to file LC labor certification, sorry, or I-140 denied, sorry. How about didn't respond to RFE in time, sorry, or USCIS security checks denied, sorry. All, all of these different things and more can all lead you to the sorry. They can all lead you to the stop sign where you fail on your attempted journey through what is now the legal immigration system in the United States. There are also, in this chart, all these little clocks embedded in some of the lines to show you places where, even though you might be able to proceed from one step to the next, there is a clock there. There's a long wait time in between those two steps, even if you get to proceed. And, of course, those little clocks start to add up as your life goes by you. So this is a freaking nightmare, right? To a certain extent, this, too, is a scare chart. This is, be afraid of the complexity of this system. But you know what? This chart is actually also kind of true. And even if you try to not deliberately play up how, how, how complex and difficult this system is, even if you don't try to visually obfuscate the paths by which people immigrate to this country, even if you try to make it look not as complex-looking as possible, but rather as clear as possible, it is still unbelievably impossible. The libertarian magazine Reason tried to map out the same system recently in a legitimately user-friendly way. They're not trying to obfuscate or seem more complicated. They're trying to seem more simple. Look how they've done it. There are uh, little cartoon characters. It is very well color-coded instead of color-coded in a way that's designed to upset you. You can follow each of these memorable little sort of appealing characters through the process in a way that is actually designed to help you understand. This is not designed to be visually intimidating, but it ends up being just as damning about the truth. Your employer is not willing to cough up ten grand in legal fees? Sorry, you're out of luck. Are you the married adult child of a lawful permanent resident? Sorry, that means you don't qualify. It, it is hard to navigate our really tangled legal immigration system in a way that has predictable or rational or frankly defensible outcomes. And in any of the situations in which you are allowed to immigrate, this is the most damning thing of all. Look at the typical time that elapses for people who follow these specific paths in order to become a U.S. citizen. Look at the times. Seven years. 16 years, 20 years, 13 years, 28 years? 28 years is how long you can expect it to take? 28 years is how long it can take right now for people who are following the rules and doing it right and doing it legally? That's how long people can expect the system to take when the system works? Today, we have an immigration system that's out of date and badly broken. Yes, we do. Anything that takes 28 years to complete, yes, we do. The, the thing that you hear all the time now from people involved in this immigration policy fight in Washington is that whatever we come up with has to be tough but fair. Tough but fair. Tough but fair. How about tough and fair and efficient? 
A legal immigration process in this country exists for a reason. It exists because legal immigration is something we supposedly value as a country. It's something we allow. It is the basis, actually, for who we are as a country. And it is a process that our government is responsible for facilitating. And some of the legal paths for that process right now regularly take up to 28 years to complete. Not because you screwed up, but because you did everything right. The reason they say immigration reform has to be done in a comprehensive way rather than in a piecemeal, a la carte fashion where you just pick one thing here or there to do. The reason it has to be comprehensive is in part because an a la carte solution would inevitably just mean trying to cram more people through this existing system. No, the system is broken. Not only do more people need to get through this system, but the system needs to disappear and be replaced by something that makes sense. That is not liberal. That is not conservative. That's something called good government. And if you do not believe me, ask somebody who has gone through it or who is trying to go through it. If you know anybody who has immigrated to this country in this generation, ask them. Ask them respectfully, but ask them. Ask around until you find somebody in your personal life who has gone through the system and ask them if it's broken. See what they say. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So today, I want to share just a couple of things with you, mostly without additional comment. I just want to share them with you because I think they go well to, to tie in uh, today's episode on immigration as well as the broader conversation about the Boston Marathon bombing that, of course, everyone is talking about from every possible angle. Uh, so first, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle the uh, the Boston Marathon by sharing a, a bit of an article written by Tim Wise. He's a middle-aged white guy who grew up in the South, and now he's an anti-racist activist. So he, he wrote this article the day after the bombing. And so, you know, obviously the suspects hadn't been caught or killed yet. And so he was sort of stretching to find some lessons to be learned in the bombing. And so, of course, the lessons he found were those seen through the lens of an anti-racist activist. That's his beat, right? So just in part, this is what he had to say about the bombings. White privilege is knowing that even if the Boston Marathon bomber turns out to be white, his or her identity will not result in white folks generally being singled out for suspicion by law enforcement or the TSA or the FBI. White privilege is knowing that even if the bomber turns out to be white, no one will call for whites to be profiled as terrorists as a result, subjected to special screening, or threatened with deportation. White privilege is knowing that if the bomber turns out to be white, he or she will be viewed as an exception to an otherwise non-white rule, an aberration, an anomaly, and that he or she will be able to join the ranks of pantheon of white people who engage in, or have plotted, politically motivated violence meant to terrorize and specifically to kill, but whose actions result in the assumption of absolutely nothing about white people generally, or white Christians in particular. Among these, and at this point he goes on to list 53 cases and links to 53 different cases of white terrorists. 
Secondly, today I want to share with you a few excerpts from an excellent uh, Frontline, you know, the PBS show Frontline episode. Actually, it's a classic from 1985. I was just turned on to this episode by my brother who had seen it recently. He said I should check it out. And it's called A Class Divided. And the first clip will sort of set it up and explain what's going on anyways. But I'm going to play three clips from this. And the basic concept is a teacher decided to try to teach her third grade students about discrimination by making them discriminate against each other. She arbitrarily divided the class uh, between children with brown eyes and children with blue eyes. And on day one, said that the people with blue eyes were better than the people with brown eyes. And on day two, she reversed it. So everyone in the class got to feel what it was like to be told that they were inferior to another group of people based on an arbitrary physical feature of theirs. So have a listen to this. When civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in 1968, grief and frustration erupted in America's cities. in Iowa, one third grade teacher knew she had to do something. The shooting of Martin Luther King could not just be talked about and explained away. There was no way to explain this to low third graders in Riceville, Iowa. I knew that it was time to deal with this in a concrete way, not just talk about it, because we had talked about racism since the first day of school. This is a fact. Blue-eyed people are better than brown-eyed people. It was a daring experiment in prejudice. I watched wonderful, thoughtful children turn into nasty, vicious, discriminating little third graders. Can one teacher in one day change the lives of her students forever? Tonight, a frontline classic, a class divided. The reunion of her former third graders was Jane Elliott's first chance to find out how much of her lessons her students had retained. All right, now, Raymond, why? I want to know why you were so eager to discriminate against the rest of these kids. At the end of the day, I thought the miserable little Nazi. (laughs) Really, I just, I couldn't stand you. It felt tremendously evil. (laughs) You could... All your inhibitions were gone, and no matter if they were my friends or not, any pent-up hostilities or aggressions that these kids had ever caused you, you had a chance to get it all out. But it felt like I was a king, like I ruled them brown eyes, like I was better than them, happy. You know? And you did it all day. Yeah. How did you feel when you were the out group? Nobody likes to be looked down upon. Nobody likes to be hated, teased, or discriminated against. And it just boggles up inside of you. You you just get so mad. Were you just angry, or was there more than that? I felt demoralized, humiliated. Some of the remarks were the kinds of things I would have wished I could have programmed into them if I had been able to program them. They're the things I would have wanted them to say. Some of the things were just mind-blowing. You know, you hear these people talking about, uh, you know, different people, how they're, you know, they 
difference and they'd like to have a model country. I wish they'd go back to Africa, you know, and stuff. And sometimes I just wish I had that collar in my pocket. I could whip it out and put it on and say, wear this and put your put yourself in their place. I wish they would go what I went, you know, do what I went through. Sometimes when I see some people together and I see how they act, you know, I think, well, that's black. And then right in the next second, I don't even finish the thought. I'm saying, well, I've seen whites do it. I've seen other people do it. It's not just the blacks. It's everyone acts differently. It's just a different color is what hits you first. And then later, as I said, I don't even finish that thought before I remember back when I was like that. And then I remember not, you know, everyone acts the same way. It's just your way of thinking is the difference. If Jane Elliott's lesson in discrimination changed the way these young people feel about discrimination and racism, it also had a totally unexpected result. The second year I did this exercise, I gave little spelling tests, math tests, reading tests, two weeks before the exercise, each day of the exercise and two weeks later. And almost without exception, the students' scores go up on the day they're on the top down on the day they're on the bottom and then maintain a higher level for the rest of the year after they've been through the exercise. We sent some of those tests to um, Stanford University to the psychology department and they did a sort of an informal review of them and they said that what's happening here is kids academic ability is being changed in a 24-hour period and that isn't possible but it's happening something very strange is happening to these children because suddenly they're finding out how really great they are and they are responding to what they know now they are able to do and it, it has happened consistently with third graders it's the piece at the end there that I find the most interesting, the fact that test scores actually change along with the discrimination being felt by the children. And I have heard of this phenomenon for other age groups as well, so don't think it's just for kids. But the fact that a person, when they feel discrimination against them, when, when they are told that they will do worse, they actually do worse. And when they are told that they are good or normal or privileged or exceptional or any of those things, it boosts their confidence and actually changes their mental abilities for the better. So obviously this can't be said for any individual, but in aggregate, for oppressed groups, keep in mind that they don't just feel the oppression and discrimination that they do because of how they are, but in large part it can be said that they are the way they are because of the oppression and discrimination they feel. So that's going to do it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you're not already subscribed to hear every episode of the show, there are lots of ways to do it. Everything from the standard iTunes or RSS feeds to a variety of great apps for smartphones, including Stitcher and even a best of the left app made specifically for the show for iPhone and Android. Thanks also and especially to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations. Uh, the show actually survives off of donations as little as $5 a month. It's really amazing. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway and outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. It's now black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to need A dying man in a living room Whose shadow paints
Jesus, I'm 